Hey, women's basketball fans, welcome to Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans brought to you by Black Rosie Media and hosted by Erica L. Ayala. It is now July, and we are back here to talk about the New York Liberty. This is Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans, hosted by Black Rosie Media, alongside Brian Florentin. I am Erica L. Ayala, and we are serving as your hosts. And Brian, we, we're not, you are in Brooklyn, but just not at Barclays. The New York Liberty finished off this week, um, or last week, I guess I should say, uh, on the road against Seattle. They also were on the road against Las Vegas, which was, of course, a big game everyone had circled. And we'll talk about some lessons learned from that. And also took on the Connecticut Sun. So it was a pretty big week for the New York Liberty. They won uh, two out of those three games. Um, so why don't we start there? What were your broad strokes takeaways from the New York Liberty uh, this past week? I would say one thing to always remember about this team is that when the ball is moving around, they're almost unstoppable unstoppable to guard. In tonight's game, they had 29 assists and really had this, the Storm defense sort of scrambling back and forth. They went, When they got tough against Connecticut, their ball movement was able to sort of bring them to the finish line and some also timely baskets. When one of the things that went wrong on Thursday in Vegas was that the offense sort of went stagnant in the third quarter. It was a lot of isolation. A lot of, they let themselves get frustrated pretty easily, and the ball sort of stuck, and they made a lot of, like, careless mistakes that they usually don't make. So I think for this group, one thing to always remember is that if you're moving the ball, if you're moving side to side, if you're getting downhill and then finding open shooters that way, the offense is going to be so difficult to sort of handle and navigate. But if you're rushing into stuff, if you're not taking your time, if you get easily sort of like flustered, that's when things start to go haywire. And, you know, I think there's so much of a comparison between the New York Liberty and Las Vegas this season, and it's probably going to continue, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on the show. But one thing I think we need to remember is the early years of Las Vegas under Bill Ambeer, it was a stacked team. Kelsey Plum, Asia Wilson, Jackie Young, all first overall draft picks on that squad. Uh, Liz Cambage was on that squad for a little bit. I mean, and that what you just talked about, the lack of consistency, the frustration that bubbles over to create the inconsistency, the lapses on the defensive end, um, not maybe getting the, the flow that they want offensively. That's what Vegas was in their early years while being a perennial top four team, really top two team in the league. So I just want to anchor our conversation about the New York Liberty moving forward, because I think it was something that we heard from New York Liberty camp um, throughout the week, especially after that Vegas game, um, you know, and even Las Vegas as well ha has talked about how they had to develop over time. So I think that we're still not seeing the consistency that the New York Liberty would like to see. Um, but I think another storyline and we've, talked about it a little bit but um brian how do you see john quell jones starting to to flow and fit into this game i think her offensive numbers have very much so come into question but um you know how would you assess her overall game despite maybe her not being the offensive threat that many thought she would be 
Yeah, I think the offense, it's sort of like, it's sort of hit or miss. Like, there are some games where when JJ gets the ball in the post, she's able to go to work and make big plays. Like, she had another double-double on Tuesday night against a strong Sun team on the interior. So sometimes, like, when, when she gets the ball, when she gets going early, that's when her offense opens up. She, so she can sort of flank out to the three-point line, make some success that way. But I think what's been really key for JJ, and I think something that isn't mentioned enough, I think is that she's been a great anchor on the interior. She's been blocking a lot of shots. Like she made a game saving block on Tuesday night against the Wana Bonner. Today she had some blocks as well. So I think that even with her not scoring, the 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 delivery have been better on the boards over the past two weeks. And I think a lot of that is due to JJ's efforts. So I feel like even as she may sometimes get frustrated when, when things aren't going around offense. I think her defensive level has stayed consistent, and she's been able to sort of switch onto, onto players in the perimeter. She's able to block shots and sort of thwart people off when they drive to the basket. So I feel like that defensive interior is going to be key to what the Liberty do down the stretch. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because, yes, her interior play offensively, defensively has been something that the New York Liberty have needed. And we know that Stephanie Dolson is out. Hanju um, will return to the New York Liberty eventually, was successful in uh, the Asia Cup with uh, Team China, um, but is not with the team right now. And, you know, Niara Sabali coming into her first season uh, for all intents and purposes. And, um, you know, John Quell is anchoring uh, the the front court when it comes to rebounds. She's averaging 6.6 rebounds per game, 10.2 points per game. So just shy of a double-double. But, I, I mean, we've talked about it before. There was a lot of conversation about her as far as this big three in New York. Um you know, and or just the starting five overall. So, again, I think we need to kind of temper expectations when it comes to that because I think John Quell Jones is for sure doing from, the, as you said, the interior what we expect her to do. That is what John Quell Jones does in the WNBA or just as a professional basketball player. Would we like to see the offense ramp up a little? I think so, and I think it will. And, you know, does she need to settle in? We've talked about that before. She can be a hot and cold kind of athlete. But I think that this it, this has potential to be a good team for her to mature a little bit in that mindset and really be able to attack with more consistency. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, you mentioned it a few times, but let's just run through the scores for everyone. I thought it's really interesting. The last, I guess now, four games for uh, for the New York Liberty. One of the teams in the contest has scored 81 points. Of course, um, the Connecticut whale or Connecticut whale. I'm thinking hockey hockey's on my brain. <laughs> the Connecticut sun hosted the New York Liberty. And that was an 89 81 victory for New York. Then there was uh, a really tough matchup for New York. They never really got their legs in Las Vegas. That was a 98 81 loss for the New York Liberty. And then on Sunday in Seattle, Climate Pledge Arena, Stewie talked about returning to Seattle, it being a lot less emotional than the first time, and the New York Liberty get an 81-66 win. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit here about... I've been talking about tempering expectations, and we've been talking a lot about that 
about the New York Liberty team and New York focusing on what New York does. But again, Thursday night was circled on the calendar for a lot of people. It was the matchup of the quote-unquote super teams. Are we... Are we doing a disservice uh, by constantly comparing these two teams? Do we like the drama of comparing these two teams? Uh, What are kind of your thoughts, especially after seeing how the New York Liberty played against the defending champions? Yeah, I think that what I think the game, game should sort of showed us that for as good as the Liberty are right now, there's no think that instead of having lessons from that game and just taking it as a learning experience. And I definitely think it was something that that they can learn from as a group. You know, let yourself get frustrated. Vegas, as you're as you're putting your head down, even for a second, Vegas is out on the run and they're getting two easy points that way. If you're not moving the, the ball, like if the ball's not going side to side, Vegas gets the rebound. Plum is coming down for three in the other end. If you don't, if you see a mismatch and you don't attack it immediately, Vegas' defense is so quick and sharp that that second that you have open is going to be gone immediately. So I think that for the Liberty, what that game showed is that they still have a lot of keys they need to hit. And there are things that they can do to to stay close and stay competitive, but they have to make sure that everything is on purpose for like a split second is enough to sort of have Vegas racing down the court the other way and having that crowd all turned up and all energized, and then you are at a complete disadvantage. So I think for the Liberty, just something where they, they'll need to sort of like make sure their offense is more in sync when they're playing defense to make sure their rotations are tighter, playing more physical. And, you know, we talked about JJ. You can play, you can play up into somebody because if they get by you, JJ's right there ready to sort of like send them back the other way. So just really being physical at the point of attack on the perimeter. And then if you get beat, trust that the defenders behind you can rotate to pick up the slack. And then if they get to the cup, trust that JJ, Stewie, Dolson, Han, Niara, any big that's back there can sort of clean up for you and then get you going the other way. Yeah, there's so much that I like about what you said, and I had a little faux pas thinking of hockey earlier, but, um, you know, that's that's sometimes what you see in hockey teams. They really do press <laughs> high, and then what they do is they rely on their solid stay-at-home defenders and their goaltender. And so, you know, to kind of use that um, as an example, I mean, JJ's kind of the goaltender, right? You know, it's, it, it, you know that that's what she does. Is she's protecting the rim, and she's been successful at that but i also like how you talk about you know the 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 game that las vegas plays and becky hammond had a really great answer because vegas is seen as a team like the new york liberty in the east that feeds off of transition they're best when the ball's not sticking it's moving it's fluid at like you said you put your head down and they're gone you know if they could score four or six points by the time you put your head back up they would that's how they like to play and it's something that i think we started to see new york um really lean into in seattle right immediately after playing Las Vegas, because we've seen those flashes of that type of brilliance from the New York Liberty throughout the season, but the consistency has lacked. And it was something that um, 
they were saying on CBS uh, Sports HQ, um, and they were talking about how the New York Liberty, after a loss, they really come out to dominate. And I do think that uh, comparing the New York Liberty to Las Vegas, those are storylines that the team is very familiar with. Now, how much they absorb that, I think if we spoke to Sandy, she would really want her team not to focus on that. But they're asked about it in mid-game interviews, post-game interviews. Um, with the media core that follows the group either virtually or otherwise. So I, I'm, I'm very curious to see um, when we get to see these two teams again, which we will, including perhaps in the Commissioner's Cup. We'll talk about that coming up on the show. But I think for me, other than the comparison to Vegas, there were two other storylines, Brian, that I want to ask you about that came from Vegas. And then I think... Um, one in particular perhaps came into play against Seattle. Uh, the first is one that we've talked about before on the show, and that is, um, well, we, 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 t- we talked about it a little bit, but Maureen Johannes. Maureen Johannes, you want to talk about uh, brushes of brilliance in that Vegas game. Maureen Johannes really took over that game and looked like she was the engine. She was the spark for that New York Liberty team as they were really struggling with Las Vegas. And it called into question on kind of a a broader scale in, you know, hashtag WNBA Twitter. What is the proper use for Maureen Johannes? Now, again, Brian, you and I have talked about it on Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans brought to you by Black Rosie Media. We've talked about this before. We talked about how Sandy has talked about how Maureen Johannes feels a little bit more comfortable off the ball as a two, which then we also have talked about could in the future lead to some difficult decisions on what the New York Liberty team needs to do if they're either down point guards or their point guards aren't being effective. Has your position on what the proper role for Maureen Johannes, did that change at all after watching the the Vegas game? Um, I don't think it changed that. I don't think it changed too much. I would say that one thing I would say definitely from Maureen is that I want her being as aggressive as humanly possible. Maureen, she didn't really, she didn't really, I think she didn't take many shots. It felt like she wasn't really in a game that much. And then as, as the lead started growing and growing, it felt like the team just sort of like let go of the rope completely. So it felt like they never really gave themselves a full chance to get back in. But when it comes to Maureen, I, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out how to best utilize her because she is someone that can play it, like that, that can be in the court late when, when, when Sloop fouled out last time they get against Washington, MJ was part of that closing five. And right. even today against Seattle, she had a lot of big threes early on. So yep. I'm, I think if I had to say like right now where I want Marina to be, I would say just like that microwave score off the bench where she mm-hmm. can just come in, hit like a bunch of three-pointers, rain, fire down, and then give you like a quick 10, 12 points out of nowhere and just sort of like make stuff happen in transition. Like she made... This one won't make the, the biggest Marine highlight, but there was like one pass where she's got, I think she looped it over Ezzy's arm. It got to salute and then it got to be for a layup. So I think that right now, my best bet for Marine is just like that microwave off the bench where she could just come in, make make big plays, make and rely 
be off ball while either Sloot or Sabrina runs point. So there's less pressure on her that way. That way it's easy for, for her to ease into the game. She won't have to expend that much energy sort of like orchestrating the offense. She could sort of like be the sort of wild card and X factor that she's best at so far. And I agree with you. I know there's a lot of people on social media one way or another that feel that she could be like a starting guard for another team. I think she fits the New York Liberty market. Um, I like, I think she will do well with Sandy Brondello. I think as this team grows, she should be an integral piece, but I agree with you. I like that term kind of microwave, uh, you know, guard and, and offensive threat coming off of the bench. I think that's where she's best utilized right now, but trust and believe as you mentioned, and as we talked about before that there is a trust that the team and certainly Sandy Brondello and the rest of the coaching staff have in Marine Johannes. And you do see that when, as you mentioned on this episode, Brian, when Vandersloot is in foul trouble, maybe when Sabrina Ionescu is not being able to facilitate the way the New York Liberty need in order to be most successful. So I think that it's still a work in progress, similarly to JJ, although for different reasons, JJ out still building the chemistry because of an injury. Maureen Johannes was away due to some commitments overseas. And once those two find their role, their role on the New York Liberty team at this point in time versus what the role for the New York Liberty team down the stretch when they really lean in and, you know, tighten up that super team cape is going to be different. But right now they just have to kind of settle in. And I think Maureen Johannes, I love that microwave off the bench. That being said, the third storyline that we heard a lot, especially after the Vegas game, which Sandy Brandello was asked about today and, and, and talked about, is Sabrina Ionescu and her defense. Now, I have gone on the record saying that um, Sabrina Ionescu, not, not the, Ionescu, excuse me, not the greatest first step. That's been something that we know she's been working on. Um, she has a deceptive speed, um, but it is not the most athletic or explosive first step. I think we can all agree to that. The other thing that, that I have said and that other people, again, especially after <laughs> Vegas, have been talking about is her defensive liability, air quotes, and is she the strongest guard, um, you know, guard on the defensive side? Absolutely not. But Sandy, again, after the game Sunday, talked about Sabrina Ionescu and the, the trust that the Liberty have in her defense. Brian, can you first of all just talk about what you've seen from Sabrina defensively and then uh, take us to that post-game interview at where, you know, Sandy Brundello did address uh, the, the New York Liberty uh, media core and, and talk about Sabrina's defense. Sure. I think that for Sabrina, even with the occasional lapses, I think the effort has been there by and large. Because I think that I see that in, in a lot of games I'm there in person and when I'm watching at home, I think the effort is there. The athleticism may not be there to sort of keep up with like the absolute best of the best in the league. But I think that a lot of defense is just effort. So if you're, if you're getting yourself in the right position, if you're rotating down on switches, doing th these things properly, you can still be a contributor. And one thing that we mentioned in post game today, Sandy talked about was that Sabrina 
like when she got matched up with Jewel early, she she held her own and gave like really great effort and it made things difficult on Jewel. So I think that for Sabrina, the big thing is that you have to keep working. You know, you are going to like the like the, the offense the offense responsibility isn't there for you like it was last year. So you have offensive end, you stay, you stay interactive, you stay communicating with your teammates. When when you're switching, be be on time. Don't don't take your eyes off the ball, things like that. Just sort of stay locked in in that regard. And I think for her, the effort has been there. And I think that with the repetitions, with that which with I think frankly the challenge, because I think that for a lot of athletes, whenever you're sort of like circled on this scouting on a scouting report as oh go get them like they're the weak link i think a pride kicks in and you're like nah sent on the list who's like oh that's an easy bucket every time so i think just like that effort and that professional pride and the defensive part i think is really going to help her out and i think that as the liberty get even more sort of like cohesion on the defensive end they've been really good on defense so far but they can be better and i think that That'll start with them getting more reps in against good offenses, elite scorers, and then they'll be able to play off championship level setting. They'll have all the skills that they need to make it through. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree with that. And I think another thing that we have to remember is whether, particularly in college, and we've seen it also um, in the WNBA, I mean, Sabrina Ionescu can rack up her numbers when it comes to things like steals and steals and rebounds for that matter are really about anticipation. They're about hard work and timing. And as, as much as defense is a good portion of defense is hard work. You, you cannot, you cannot slack defensively. Uh, you have to put in the work, but it's also about anticipation. And so, yes, you don't have to be the quickest or even the most athletic or the tallest, because again, Sabrina Ionescu can rack up triple doubles, including rebounds. And we know she's not deaf. She's not even the tallest player on her team, let alone at the, on the court at any given time. So again, I think that's one of those things that is going to take time. Uh, I do think, and we've talked about this. I think we talked about it um, an episode or two ago. Um, but, you know, Sabrina, I think it was after that Atlanta game, we were talking that she's leaning into her villain status a little bit here. And, of course, with that comes the criticism. So I'm very curious to see how mm -hmm. Sabrina Ionescu is going to handle that. I think on the court and off the court, she's been pretty steady um, regarding her emotions and kind of handling that type of pressure. And obviously she's been playing pretty well. Now we did allude to the, the, the player uh, tally when it came to all-star votes. And I didn't think Sabrina Ionescu deserved to be an all-star starter. I did guesstimate that she would be an all-star overall in 2023 and not only Sabrina, but also Courtney Vandersloot named by the coaches as one of the all-star reserves to fill out the roster. Um, let's just first talk about Sabrina and Courtney, and then we can talk about maybe some other players that are on the all-star um, reserve list, or I should say that the, the last set of all-stars named, and that will be headed to Vegas. So first, Brian, your thoughts on Sabs and Salute going to Vegas for the all-star weekend. This podcast on Black Rosie Media is presented to you by... 
Bounceless Control Sports Bra. Now, I am a former Division I athlete, and as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit wider. And it's been difficult for me to return to the activities that I enjoy and the activities that I'm used to being a Division I athlete because I don't have good control. And that's where the Bounceless Control Sports Bra comes in handy. You can enjoy a bounceless experience while you run, jump, dance, go horseback riding, everything from doing my favorite exercises to being able to run full speed to my gate while traveling for Black Rosie Media. I've done it in the Bounceless Control Sports Bra and I will be stocking up for sure. It's been a joy for me as a former athlete to get more active, and that's all because of the Bounceless Control Sports Bra. For our listeners and readers over at Black Rosie Media, you can use promo code BRM, stands for Black Rosie Media, and you will get 15% off your first purchase when you go to bounceless.com and pick up your Bounceless Control Sports Bra. I thought that um, Sabrina's all-star case really predicated on just her willingness and ability to sort of take on a new role out of nowhere because last year she was the engine of the offense, triple-double machine, and now she's playing a role where she's spotting up a lot and, and, and sort of like catching off double teams and firing from deep, and she's leading the league in three-point attempts. I think she is like take on an end, especially having this situation where you're so used to having the ball in your hand attacking a pick and roll to going to a situation now where you're where you're doing more catch and shoot responsibilities and then you're attacking off the dribble and playing off the ball more than she had been before so i think it's a definitely a worthy it's, it's definitely a worthy representation and acknowledgement to see that she's been able to successfully make that transition with her new teammates and new responsibilities and still play well and really build off what she had been doing last year and i think for courtney what's been really great for her too is that leading the league and assists again which i think I, I've lost count how many times she's led the league in at least seven. It, I might be underselling it, but the fact that she's able to lead the league in a six again, brand new teammates, brand new city, brand new coach, brand new coaching staff doing everything new and still orchestrating a really strong and potent offense just out of nowhere. And mind you, she has been playing preseason because she had a concussion. So just mm-hmm. doing all of this with regular season reps, I think it's really fascinating and fantastic. And, but now she started making the case for her as defensive player of the year a couple a couple weeks back when she got like six steals in Atlanta. And we see her all in the passing lane, really smart, heady defense. We talked about like just like you know, defense of anticipation, fundamentals, and like smarts. You see how Courtney's able to play defense in that way. And even though she may not be, you know, on a top level of athleticism, just like her headiness and like how she's able to play within the scheme, stick to the scout, make all those timely plays is so valuable and so impressive. So the fact that she's sort of doing all these things in and in a new role while adjusting to like different responsibilities as well, I think is really exciting to watch. And I think it definitely deserved an all-star nomination, which I think was well-deserved. I agree. Courtney Vandersloot was one of those guards for me that I wasn't going to vote and use my ballot to have her as a starter because we don't get to vote 
for reserves when we have a media ballot. But um, I, I, I had a strong feeling that she was going to make an all-star appearance, and I thought deservedly so. But I think there was a, a more well-round. There are a few more well-rounded guards that that deserve that. And Sabrina Inescu, I thought was I thought Vandersloot made a stronger case, but. Sabrina Inescu is right there. And also, I think it's fair to say that she was going to win some some fan votes there as well. It didn't end up mattering because, again, this was the coach's vote. But I think that's a good choice. But let's just run through some of the other guards that are headed to Vegas. So Kalia Copper from the Chicago Sky. Now, Chicago. This is not a podcast for Chicago Sky fans, but Chicago Sky fans, are y'all all right? Are y'all feeling okay? I mean, James Wade, your general manager and your head coach just dipped for Toronto, eh? Um, so What's we Canada? might have to find <laughs> oh, Canada. We might have to find some time to talk about that. But um also guards, we have uh, uh, Alicia Gray, who I know a lot of people had as a starter. I like that for Atlanta. We mentioned, obviously, Sabrina Ionescu, Kelsey Mitchell for the Indiana Fever. And we're going to see Indiana. And I don't know if right before All-Star is the right time to be seeing Indiana because the fever, yeah, the, that fever has spiked. And they're, they're looking pretty good. But we already knew that we because we've talked about that on this podcast. Uh, other guards. We have Kelsey Plum, and of course, we mentioned Courtney Vandersloot. Um, now, Alyssa Thomas goes in as a reserve on the front court alongside Cheyenne Parker. Now, we talked about Atlanta, that home and home series with Atlanta, and we did talk about Cheyenne Parker, and we said to put some respect on her name. I thought it was adorable that they had, um, you know, her family announce that she was going to the all-star game. So that was super cute. Now the, the Seattle storm hosted the New York Liberty on Sunday and, and as Magbagore, excuse me, Magbagore, um, was also announced to as, as a reserve and it's her first all-star weekend, Brianna Stewart and Sandy Brundello had some things to say about that post game. And then Elena Deladon, Nafisa Collier and Dewana Bonner round things out. Now we'll have to see what happens with EDD because there've been some reports from Washington that I believe she has a ankle sprain. And so unfortunately Elena Deladon once again dealing with injury. We'll have to see if that impacts um, her all-star appearance. It's one of those things where even if the timeline worked out, do you want to kind of mess around and have one of your first games be the all-star weekend? Maybe not, but I, I'm sure Elena Deladon will be honored um, and celebrated in one fashion or another. So that's the all-star weekend. But Brian, I alluded to it. Indiana on the on the 12th, July 12th, we're already in July now, is going to be a pretty big game. And that is because that is the final Commissioner's Cup game on, on the Eastern Conference side of things. And should the New York Liberty win over Indiana, they will take on the Western Conference Commissioner's Cup champion, which is likely Las Vegas. Therefore, once again, putting the heat up on the super team conversation. But before that, the New York Liberty will see the Phoenix Mercury. They will also see uh, the Seattle Storm once again. Now, on paper, Brian, we are 
expecting the Liberty to win at least those first two games. Uh, but again, if you're watching, that third game could be trouble against Indiana. But that being said, if we look back at Sunday's game, Brian, again, that was an 81-66 victory over the Seattle Storm. There were some uncomfortable lulls where the New York Liberty – Knowing, and I should say, knowing that the Seattle Storm are kind of the comeback kids of the season and, and can really push teams to the brink, I thought that the New York Liberty missed some opportunities to really slam the door shut. Now, how much do you think that is kind of Sandy Brondello and the coaching staff managing things like minutes and fatigue, knowing that they've been on the road? And how much of that is maybe the New York Liberty still falling short of the consistent 40-minute play that they want to see? Um, yeah, I thought that there were moments in the third in the in the third and fourth where they sort of let Seattle creep back in. One thing that was different from first half to second was that the defense was swarming on Jewel. There were so many possessions where she got the ball in the mid post, and then you see two, three defenders like right on top of her immediately. In the second half, that started to slip a little bit, and Jewel just mm -hmm. went off. Just like when she had that second of that second of that's that sort of little bit of space, and then when she saw one basket go in, it was on from there. So I think that for the Liberty, one thing we talked about with keeping up the defensive consistency, can't let like can't let go. Like you know, you're you're going up against elite scores like a Jewel Lloyd. We'll see BG on Wednesday, Jewel again on Sunday. You know, Boston and Mitchell for Indiana. You're gonna run up against a lot of elite scores and elite playmakers. So you've got to make sure to sort of keep that keep the Keep the sort of like attention to detail on full scope throughout the entire game because any slip and then a team is going to run, run and get back in the game immediately. So I thought that they sort of like let loose a little bit, but for this group, just being able like Sabrina hit a bunch of key baskets in the fourth quarter to get the lead back up, and then Courtney hit like she made one cutting layup and then a steal to a transition layup to wrap the game up. So that part. The, the the sort of resiliency to withstand a team's best run and then and then close the door at the end I think is valuable and will serve them well and I think that the more the more close adjacent games you play the sharper you get when you when you get up against a really elite team so if they were to go up against a Connecticut down the line or a, a fully healthy Washington team or Vegas again if 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 and when we see them again knowing that if the game is close late you can turn back to these experiences where you held it you held your own you made these big plays you made these smart plays that part matters a lot but ultimately the best wins are dominant wins so if you can get up you can take a 15 point lead keep it at 22 and go from there that way less less stressful minutes on your on your big guns your bench gets a little bit of run everybody's like nice and kosher then then you just get to like relax to zero yeah, I agree with you on that. And again, I think that we don't really have to wait for Vegas because I do think Indiana is a team. We've talked about it 
in passing, but you know, Indiana is a team that a few times now has, has given Vegas a run for their money. This is a Vegas team that their only loss came at the hands of the Connecticut sun. They played them again recently and Connecticut unable to get over the hump against Vegas, but Indiana has played Vegas pretty tight, which makes me wonder. I know this is a podcast for New York Liberty fans, but we like to give out our flowers, Brian, throughout the league. Christy sides, you know, maybe potential finalist for coach of the year. I don't know. I mean, this has been a transformative yep. season for the Indiana Fever, and Aaliyah Boston obviously helps with that, but she's not doing it alone. The rookie is not doing it alone. And so, yeah, got to put some respect on Indiana as well. And again, we will see them on the 12th. So, Brian, final thought goes to you. What are the keys for success for the New York Liberty once they take on Indiana um, this coming week? I think the key is going to be throwing a lot of different looks at Aaliyah Boston in the paint. Like in the first game, Aaliyah had some success against JJ. So now that we'll have Han back in all likelihood, there's another big body to sort of like make, be like a deterrent in the paint, how they sort of double and make things difficult for her. Can they, can they force her to make passes out on the, on the, on the perimeter, make the other players beat them? Um, keep her off the boards because I think she's like top 10 in rebounding already. So just being able to see that Indiana is going to bring, and especially, you know, last year with the Liberty, they were terrible the camp day games. Like if the game started around 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, that team was not there. So now okay. this year with a more experienced group and one that has a lot to play for, you know, you make it to the commissioner's cup and you win, there's like half a million probably right there in your bank account. So there's, there's big incentive beyond just like winning games just for winning purposes. You get more money coming into your bank account and God knows we come up, we come up, we come up. I'll use a little bit more change in our pocket. So they're going to be locked in when it comes to that. So next week when they play the fever, just own the interior, do not give up second chance opportunities, run your stuff. Indiana's a young team. So if you're moving the ball well, getting side to side, you may get them, you may get them to making enough mistakes where you get easy shots for UNESCO, Johannes, Laney, everybody else. That that's sort of like communication and moving the ball from side to side is going to be super valuable. And then you just sort of build off that and trust your length and your teamwork to really get you through on defense and get you to the all-star break. Yes, indeed. And so, again, the New York Liberty, we are speaking during uh, what, what is the July 4th holiday or Canada Day now for James Wade. Um, but uh, uh, July 5th, the New York Liberty will take on the Phoenix Mercury. Then later that week, over the weekend, they will take on the Seattle Storm once again. And then their final game, as you mentioned, Brian, before the All-Star break is taking on Indiana. And if the New York Liberty are able to put away Indiana, that would be that is a Commissioner's Cup game, and that would put them in the lead on the scoreboard. Now, should they fall to Indiana, Brian? I believe the New York Liberty will still have a pretty good shot. I have I don't know how many games Commissioner Cup games in hand Connecticut has, but the New York Liberty have the tiebreaker by beating Connecticut um, twice this season. Las Vegas is undefeated, a 6-0 and in the Commissioner's Cup. Dallas is the next uh, highest team, Dallas and Minnesota, at 4-3 and each. So again, it's looking like Las Vegas is going to represent the West 
and a good chance that the New York Liberty could represent the East. This would be their first Commissioner's Cup appearance since Kathy Engelbert introduced the in-season tournament. All right, well, that is going to do it for this holiday weekend episode of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. On behalf of Brian Florentin, I am Erica L. Ayala. We are your two hosts, and we will be back next week to recap the New York Liberty season and, of course, give out flowers to everyone else in the WNBA. But as always, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you are well. We hope you are uh, just spreading kindness. There's so much uh, just stress. We want to spread the love. And hopefully we've been able to brighten up your day when you're watching or listening. But until next week, peace out, everybody.